hey there city getters and friends my name is Vic and I'm gonna be speaking today uh, big weekend uh, for everybody in Canada it's Thanksgiving and so from my family to yours also just want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving uh, I'm pretty sure you are planning to have a big meal or maybe you're preparing a big meal to share with friends and family uh, maybe today or tomorrow um, and so you know all the best with that I'm pretty sure it will also include a very big bird um, speaking of uh, meals, last weekend we had an amazing time together as a church, uh, obviously gathering together in one location uh, here at the Waypoint where I'm filming this right now, uh, just outside, and um, we had Lawrence and Liz share with us uh, about what God's doing in and through them in Quenelle in BC there as they plant Two Rivers Church. Um, but then we all stayed on for pulled pork sandwiches and they were so delicious. Thank you so much to Dean and uh, Hurley who worked really hard to prepare the food and Courtney that helped uh, administrate and make sure there's volunteers to set up, tear down, serve the food and all the things. So if you were involved in making that day a success, uh, also just want to say thank you so much. If you missed it, um, really sad, but you can catch up online. So make sure you do because you will be very encouraged. Uh, it was also a big day uh, because uh, uh, that morning, actually, uh, we had a new addition to the City Gates family. Uh, Peyton Myberg uh, was born, so congratulations to Don and Joe. Um, and there might be a, or may already have been a picture on screen, but uh, we are so thrilled for you guys and your growing family. Um, you know, but uh, I, I talked about meals just a few moments ago, and today I'm going to be speaking about a significant meal uh, that Christians get to eat. And it's not pulled pork sandwiches, it's actually the communion uh, table. It's the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. Um, and the reason uh, why, you know, we're going to focus on a meal today is because the Bible's actually bookended with uh, significant meals. If you uh, go back to the, 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 the beginning of the Bible, front, uh, uh, you see Adam and Eve actually eat a, a tragic meal, really. Uh, it was an expression of their rebellion, their autonomy. Uh, they disobeyed God. God said, don't eat of this one tree. Uh, if you do so, uh, you know, bad things will happen. And what took place was a sin and death entered into the world. That's kind of uh, humanity, humanity's origin story certainly uh, gives, gives a reason for uh, uh, all the brokenness that we see around us. Uh, so that's that first meal. And then you fast forward to the end of the Bible and you'll see right at the end there's this massive celebration, this wedding feast, this, this, uh, this, this supper of the Lamb. Uh, and, and basically it's the church, the redeemed uh, uh, Christians that get to celebrate uh, with the bridegroom. It's like a wedding in a sense, you know, Jesus is the bridegroom. He's also called the lamb, the wedding supper of the lamb. Uh, and and uh, that speaks of him being a sacrifice uh, in our place for our sins. He basically paid the penalty uh, for the sins that we and our forefathers have committed uh, that began in that garden. So when Adam and Eve ate uh, in disobedience, their relationship with God was severed. And Jesus came to bring us back together. That's why that end is like a marriage feast, that, as that Jesus has accomplished this. He's brought us back to the Father, back in relationship with God. So these two significant meals on either side of the, you know, the beginning and the end of the Bible. And in the middle, we have a meal that relates to both these moments, and that's the communion meal. Um, and Jesus, uh, on the night of his betrayal, instituted this meal. Okay, so a bit of a backstory there as well. Uh, you know, Jesus was celebrating the Passover meal with his disciples. Uh, you know, the Jewish tradition for, for many, many years has been to celebrate this meal uh, as they look back to the day when they were liberated 
liberated from slavery out of Egypt. Uh, and I don't have time to go into the details there, but again, there's lamb references there. Uh, they, they had to slaughter a lamb and put its blood on the doorposts of their, of their homes. Uh, and, and judgment would not uh, uh, fall on their home, it would pass over. Uh, and, and, uh, and that was kind of the final straw on the camel's back in terms of Pharaoh uh, finally letting the, Egypt, uh, letting the Israelites go. Um, and so they were set free from slavery uh, uh, out of Egypt uh, as a result of you know, an innocent lamb dying in their place. And, and, uh, and so Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, is this the Passover, but there's no mention in the scriptures of a lamb present because in a sense he's saying to his disciples, you know, bread, this is my body, the, the, the wine, he said, this is my blood. Uh, and, and he was about to go to the cross, you know, so he was going to be that lamb, that ultimate sacrifice that would do away uh, with sin and, and with, with, with slavery to sin and the consequences of sin death. Uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing celebration and, and a fulfillment of that. Um, and so that's where communion began. And, uh, and you know, uh, Jesus in that moment, encouraged his disciples and therefore encouraged us to do this often and regularly. And so, so sometimes we can think when we do something all the time, you know, week in and week out, yeah, I, I can understand how you could lose the impetus and the importance of that. But I, I also want to say to you that the reason why we do that is not only because we're following Jesus, he said, do this often, is because actually by doing it regularly, uh, we, we admit and we show the, how important it is. We actually underline its significance by doing it regularly. That's why coming together uh, as a church regularly and preaching from the word regularly, these are all things to show that they are important, not less important. We're not diluting it. In fact, we are speaking of its strength and its significance. And that, that was true of the early church. You know, Acts chapter 2, right in the beginning, it describes the first century church, the first Christians, and it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so already it was something they devoted themselves to. You fast forward 20 chapters into the book of Acts, and it, it tells us that actually the first day of the week, they set aside for the breaking of bread. And so it is a regular thing that we should and do do as believers, as Christians. And, you know, of course, it's a significant meal for Christians, for believers, but I think meals in general, of course, they are significant for hum human beings. <laughs> I mean, the most obvious one is that you need to eat to live, to survive, and, and so we'll push that reason aside. That's, that's a no-brainer. But just think about what happens around a meal. Just think about, about what takes place, you know, when, when hospitality is extended like that, uh, conversations um, are, are being experienced and, and friendships are deepened. Uh, that's what happens around a table with food. And that's one of the reasons why we built the Waypoint. You know, the Waypoint is set up to be a place where you can eat and should eat together. Uh, our kind of hashtag is BYOF, bring your own food, bring your own friends, and share your meals with others. And I've loved seeing, you know, pre-COVID days, how people had food, extra food, and shared it with other people, strangers in here, and just how quickly friendship gets formed. Because that's what happens around the table. It, uh, it kind of speeds up the process of, of, of connecting with somebody. And now just, just in the same, you know, that's a positive way, the, the way a, a, a food speeds up that process, you know, barriers come down. Actually, it also highlights brokenness, I think. You know, you come around a table and if there's a bit of bitterness or distance between someone, it's almost heightened. You know, you sit around a meal with family that you maybe, uh, you know, there's some unforgiveness and some bitterness going on. You can feel it in the air, can't you? It's like awkward. It's like you can hear the knives and the forks 
clinking and um, you know you can almost cut the, the air with a knife. Uh, so so you know there's a positive sense but it also highlights maybe some uh, some of the relational tension that they might be around the meal. Uh, you know, and the last thing to say about a meal is that a meal, of course, is, tells a story, uh, especially if you go and eat in someone else's home that's from a different context, a different culture. The food they serve you often lets you in on their backstory. Uh, it's one of the things my wife and I love to do is to, to, uh, to expose Canadians to our South African heritage. So I know we've shoved down your throat uh, things like rusks. You know, many Canadians have stumbled because of that, or bultong, or burevors, you know. Uh, and, and so these are, these are food, uh, food, food groups, food things. Uh, it's food that we love to eat and to share with you because we let you into our world when we do so. And so, you know, meals are pretty significant. And, uh, and I would love for us to actually read 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is a church, the Corinthian church, that Paul actually confronts because of the way that they are eating together, communion, and how it's misrepresenting the kingdom and the gospel. Uh, and so we're going to learn from them by seeing what not to do, and we're going to draw some uh, application points out for us. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to read from verse 17 to 22 initially. But in the following, instru- but in the following instructions, <laughs> I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. This is God's word. And so he's talking about, uh, yeah, saying it's not better, but worse for this particular church uh, uh, in terms of how they are eating and sharing the communion uh, meal together. And the better he's referring to is the fact that the the common divisions in society in those days, you know, uh, the things like social status, race, class, uh, gender, you know, let's fast forward even t- into our days. Maybe it's the, the, the lines between vaccinated and unvaccinated or polit- political uh, convictions. You know, he's saying in the church, those barriers should have been overcome because of the gospel. Uh, but he's saying to them, actually, it's not the case. When I look at how you and when I hear about how you eat together, it's clear that those things are still there. It's, it's worse, not better. And, uh, and that's, the, that's the reality. Christians are, are supposed to have this sort of one common meal to, to model and to show the world and one another that we have been brought near, together, close. And we've been united. And it's a common meal also because I love that about communion. It's a simple, it's the most accessible meal I think in the world. You know, bread, everybody should be able to find bread somewhere and, and wine or juice, you know, just uh, the sap from the fruit of the vine. It, it, it should be pretty accessible uh, because that is the story of the church is that actually through the blood and the body of Jesus, uh, divisions have been eradicated that we would see around us to be still present in the culture, in the church. It should not be the case. 
And, and you know, where most groups would divide uh, along certain lines, the, the church is the one place where they should model an upside down kingdom, not like the culture out there. And I think it has over, over the years been a model of that. You know, I think of one recent story. We went to go visit maybe six years ago, a place called 541 Barton. Actually, we based the waypoint loosely on what they did, or what they are doing over there. We, we couldn't pull it off full scale because that's like a fully functional kitchen. It's like a restaurant in a sense. Uh, and they have a great coffee, great food, beautiful aesthetics. So we borrowed some of their principles uh, here at the Waypoint. But what they do, which is amazing, is they serve exactly the same food and drink. And you walk through the exact same door, whether you're a wealthy person or a, someone from a poorer context. Or, you know, they, they, even the, their location is, I believe, on the border of a really marginalized, poor community, a lot of homeless and addictions, uh, and then, you know, also a wealthier community. And this place is bringing those two worlds together in a beautiful way. They don't say to those that are, uh, you know, poorer, uh, maybe homeless, listen, go to the back door, and over there we will give you food for free, but it's the expired food. It's the things we no longer can sell in the front. No, you get to walk through the front the same way a wealthy person can walk through. You get to order from the front. They have this amazing system. It's called the button system. You could check it out online. But for a, a, a poorer individual to be able to afford the food, uh, they've got some, some system in place there that allows them to order the same quality stuff and to sit down in the same beautiful space alongside someone that's from a completely different context. They've, they've gotten it right. It's no surprise that behind 541 Barton, there are believers, Christians at work, uh, because this is a value that we see. And so the Corinthians, they, they, they're not doing that, okay? Paul is taking them on. He's saying, listen, you have lost what Acts 2.42 speaks about, you know? Uh, and, and so this mess in this church actually is, is a gift to us because it shows us what not to do uh, and by implication gives us a list of what to do. So we're going to learn from that and we're going to carry on reading from verse 23, uh, probably all the way up until 29. I think there's six things that we can learn from here. The first one is that the communion uh, moment is, is and should be one of thanksgiving. Uh, you know, verse 23 starts off by saying, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And then uh, we'll carry on reading in a moment. But thanksgiving there, Jesus gives thanks as he breaks this bread, and as he gives it to his disciples, telling them that this these emblems, this bread, and then we'll read eventually about the, the wine. Th these are emblems representing his given body and his shed blood. And he gives it to, he gives thanks and then he gives it to his disciples and they receive it. And we ought to receive it with thanks. In fact, the word Eucharist means thanks, uh, thanksgiving. Uh, and, and you say thank you when you receive a gift, right? I mean, when you say thank you, you kind of admit that somebody else, at someone else's expense, um, is giving you, is providing you with something. That's why you say thank you. They did something that you did not do, and so you express your gratitude. You know, and I thought a little bit about North American culture and saying thank you, and some, I just want you to let in uh, into my world a little bit. When we landed here in Canada seven years ago, um, and you know, we, we noticed that when we offered to do something or to give something to someone. Can I buy you a drink? Can I take you for lunch? Can I pick you up? Can I give you a, a ride? Uh, the, the response, in particular over text messages, but in person as well, uh, is often the word, sure. And it was a bit of a shock to us because we, as the South Africans, we're accustomed to things that's more like, yes, thank you, or yes, please. And so initially it felt to us 
a little rude, to be honest with you, just to say sure. Because for me, the word sure is kind of like the meh, meh version of yes, please, or yes, thank you. Uh, and you know, I'm not telling you that you should change the way you interact with me. I've learned by now that you actually do mean thank you and please, okay? So don't worry about that. But when we come to the communion table, I thought about this. Sometimes we, we this moment, we, we take it for granted. It's not special. And so we respond in sort of a shorthand text message way, a kind of like a man, like a, sure, here's Jesus saying, this is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. And we go, Sure. He's like, yeah, I want to give you forgiveness. I want to give you eternal life. I want to pay the bill for your sin. And we go, sure. It's not an appropriate way. So, so you know, I want you to think just in terms of the significance of this moment that we would say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's the only appropriate response. This is a meal of thanksgiving. Thank you for what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Let's move on to number two. Uh, it's, it's a meal of the presence of God, the presence of Jesus. Uh, you know, we see in verse 24, he carries on. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, uh, you know, eventually he also speaks about his blood uh, poured out, the blood of the, of the new covenant. There is, is, is something about Jesus' involvement. He's my body for you. He, his presence, it, it's an inference there that he is present in this moment. Now, there are two extremes to, to, to look at the communion moment. The one is to uh, look at the emblems, the, the, the bread and the wine, and to believe that actually this is the body and the blood of Jesus. Like there's something mystical and magical, like as the priest blesses it. Maybe this is more in the Roman Catholic tradition. It's called transubstantiation, that actually the bread becomes the body and the juice or the wine becomes the uh, um, uh, blood. And so huge emphasis on, on, on that. Um, and it can be very mystical, very, very, you know, almost magical. Uh, that's one extreme way of looking at it. And, you know, the, the, the problem we have with that, you know, maybe it's taking John chapter 6 a little too literal when Jesus said, hey, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you know, you have no part in me. Um, it, it could be, a, a, you know, a, taking that too literally. Um, uh, but also, I think that when you put so much emphasis on what could become of these these elements, uh, you kind of remove the relational aspect. You know, it's, it's like a formula. And, and you know, it's obviously if this is gonna become Jesus' body and his blood, you gotta, you gotta have it. You know, there's something profound about that. Uh, and so it can be mechanistic. Uh, it can kind of be like eating your vegetables, you know? Like not everybody loves broccoli or green beans, but you know it's good for you. And so you kind of like, oh, I gotta eat my vegetables, you know? So there's a sense sometimes when I speak to people that subscribe to that tradition, they're often disconnected from Jesus completely. They don't like the church. They wouldn't really be calling themselves, call themselves followers of Jesus, but they'll go to mass. They'll go take Holy Communion because of the significance. And it's actually, uh, it's separated from your relationship with Christ. It's like, it, it's kind of like, well, when I have it, I think it'll do the job. It'll work, you know, I'm ingesting, you know, Jesus here. Um, I, I heard Ray Ortland or Dane Ortland, I don't know, one of them talk a little bit about, you know, um, just the grace of God. That, that sometimes people can abuse God's grace, you know, because it's uh, he will forgive you. And, um, you know, you put your faith in Jesus and then sometimes you carry on sinning because, well, he's so gracious, he's so forgiving. Uh, and, uh, and, and then uh, he was saying, you know, then you're turning what Christ has done for you into a formula and, and you lose the friendship. 
with Jesus. And so, you know, when you swing the pendulum too far over there, communion can become formulaic and you could forget that it's his body given for you. There's a relationship. Uh, it's him giving you uh, he, of, or he has given you his life. Uh, so that's the one extreme. The other extreme is, is in reaction, perhaps, to that saying, Okay, well, you know, we're not going that far down. Uh, we are just going to make this a memorial moment. It's purely just remembering what Christ has done for us. And so when we take these things, we're just remembering he died for us in our place. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's certainly not only that as well. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Because Jesus does promise that his presence will be with us where two or more are gathered in his name. And I love that about communion. It's meant to be shared. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, and so his presence is there by his spirit. Uh, so the elements don't become him. It doesn't become his body. But, but somehow we are raised up when we take communion. And, and Jesus Christ is, it descends in a sense and meets us. Uh, it's, a, it's a profound moment. And there's this tangible assurance that comes with it. As we hold the, the, the emblems of the, the, the bread and the, and the juice or the wine, um, we can look at these things and go, as sure as I can touch and taste this stuff, I am sure of the fact that Jesus Christ is resurrected. I'm sure of the fact that, that he has accomplished uh, my, 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 the payment for my sin. In full, I stand here free and forgiven. There's a surety that comes with this emblems. And it comes by the Spirit. The, the presence of Jesus meets us in a profound way. And, and I do believe, therefore, that when we take communion, it should be, there should be some profound things that accompany our, 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 our moments like that. Profound things can and should happen. I've heard stories of people being healed as they take communion. Stories of people being filled with the Holy Spirit as they take communion. Uh, set free from bondages and addictions as they take communion. It shouldn't surprise us because, you know, it, this is the presence of Jesus uh, that meets us in a profound way when we break bread. The Holy Spirit is present to, to work in, in a profa profound way. And, and the problem in our modern church is that we sometimes... Uh, Expect those profound things to happen when we sing. And there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit can only come when we break bread or anything. But if we want from the meal, uh, sorry, if we want from the music what we should be getting from the meal, uh, that's where the problem is. If we put so much emphasis on music, um, uh, we, we forget that actually God's given us something that is that has been relevant over the ages. It hasn't changed for thousands of years. Styles of music, it's changed. You know, the, how we do music, when we do music, what kind of music we do. In fact, music has become uh, a bit of a point of division in church often. You know, as people say, like, I don't like this style of music. The drummer is too loud. Ironically, it actually, music can, can lead to more d division than unity. Um, and so, so, you know, you got to hear what I'm saying here. I, I'm a musician myself. I love to, to, to make music. I love to sing. I love to lead people in songs. So please don't hear what I'm not saying. But the point I'm trying to make is that, that sometimes we expect things to happen in, in the singing time. Uh, and, and it can, but I think we should also have an expectation of things happening. God meeting us around the communion table as well. Uh, let's, let's be aware of those things. So that's uh, the presence of Jesus, number two. Number three uh, is remembrance. Of course, he says in verse 24, do this in remembrance of me. I think I made the point, it, it is a memorial, is remembrance, but it's not only that. Uh, but you know, this is a great way to remind people of what Jesus has done for us. You know, he has some tangible uh, uh, 
physical things to, to point to the body of Jesus that was given and the blood of Jesus that was shed. Because we forget. I know we sing the gospel, we pray the gospel, we preach the gospel, but at the same time, we also forget the gospel. Um, and so communion is a wonderful reminder of what God has done for us and how he redeemed us through the death of his son on the cross. And we need to be reminded, you know, meals are powerful in that sense. I mean, sometimes when you eat a meal, doesn't it just take you back? to a significant moment in your life. Maybe the first time you had that or a very special time in your life where you ate that particular meal. Uh, you know, maybe a negative version of that story. I remember traveling with my wife uh, to Phuket. We didn't have kids yet, we were newlyweds, and uh, we got into Thai food uh, that particular week. And you know, back in South Africa, we had to find a little Thai restaurant was near our house, man, and week in and week out, we would, we would have Thai food. Absolutely love the taste, absolutely love it. And then there was this one dreadful day where uh, you know it was a dud it was a bad one I don't know the meat was off or something was wrong but I had food poisoning and I was blowing chunks I mean we call it pocket tiger I was vomiting puking uh, you know I just remember that feeling uh, of being out of control it's feeling so terribly sick and knowing it came from that Thai meal I ate and I could not touch Thai food for years I promise you it was years uh, later only that I, that I had the courage to pick it up again. Because every time I looked at Thai food, I remembered that the last time I ate it, and it was a terrible memory. Now, of course, that's a negative version of it, but I think that we can apply the same principle to, to, to the, um, remembering what Christ has done for us around that communion thing. That's, there's something profound. The Bible talks about the word fellowship, koinonia, that actually there, there's something, I think, profound about it that it's like as if you were there as if you you know sometimes there's, there's these songs that we sing it says you know I can hear my voice among the scoffers saying crucify him it's like uh, you know there, there's something that God can do by spirit saying that actually you put Jesus on that cross because it's your sin that he is taking upon himself over there there's this vivid remembering this this fellowship with Christ's sufferings that can take place around the communion table so enough about remembrance, but I hope the point sunk in. Number four is proclamation. Um, he goes on, verse 25, in the same way, also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So a proclamation, verse 25, he says, this blood is the blood of the new covenant, the new covenant in my blood. Uh, in other words, the old covenant is gone. The old sacrificial system that had uh, over and over again have to uh, you know, kill an animal and the blood there would atone for your sin, but it wouldn't last, you'd have to do it again. Uh, here's this new covenant, one sacrifice for all, the lamb of God in our place, the innocent lamb dying for guilty people like you and me. Um, the old is gone, it's a proclamation of the new covenant. Yay! We, now we, we have a meal. It's a celebration moment. It's not actually a, a sacrificing of a, of a moment. That sacrifice was done for us on the cross once for all. Uh, and so we proclaim his death until he comes. In other words, he's, he's also alive. So the death and the resurrection, we proclaim that he died for us, but he rose from the death, showing that he conquered death too. And when he comes again, that will be our story too. Death will not have the last word. We 
we've been saved from the consequences of sin. So it's a proclamation. And so when we take communion, we can explain these things and invite people into that story saying, would you like to become a follower of Jesus as well? I love that. Um, and that's why we don't play communion. It's not kind of an add-on. Sometimes we end our sermons in communion because it's a vivid picture, a proclamation of what we hopefully we were saying all along, all through the service, the songs that we sung, the sermon that we preached. It's like there's this moment we can end. It's a proclamation. That's why we can invite people to become Christians even uh, around the communion table. Number five is that of unity. Um, he, he talked about his body uh, that he, you know, he, he broke. He says, this is my body given for you. Um, and in verse 29, let's keep reading actually, uh, verse 27 onwards. Uh, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So, um, you know, where, how do I connect this to the, this, this point of unity? Well, the irony here in the Corinthian church is that this, this very thing uh, was supposed to uh, ground their unity, this meal. And actually, remember a few verses before, he says, some of you go hungry, some of you get drunk, what's going on here? Uh, and so again, the, the class system was highlighted uh, in their gathering. Perhaps the rich, the wealthy people uh, arrived early because they didn't have anything to do and they started eating and drinking and the poorer people who worked really hard arrived hungry and there was nothing for them to, to have. So actually there was a separation there in the way that they uh, um, uh, ate together. Um, and so it wasn't an expression of their unity. Uh, actually, you could see the disunity uh, in the way that they ate over there. And I think that's probably why we prefer sometimes to say, hey, wait until everybody has got their, the emblems in their hands and then let's take communion together. Uh, because actually in this moment, we do, we do live out the benefits of what Christ has done for us, which is not just uniting us with the Father, but uniting us with one another. We're back in relationship with one another in spite of our differences. Um, and that's why it's called communion, common union, not just called the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. Um, St. Augustine said this, like all the grains make up the bread, so all of us make up God's body. That's why in many of these verses, it talks about discerning the body, guilty concerning the body. It's thinking about a body, many parts, but one body. Um, so this, this, this bread uh, uh, represents that too. Uh, we're all part of the, the body. Um, and in two chapters before, uh, one chapter before in 1 Corinthians 10, um, Paul writes, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread, you know, referring again to Jesus, the bread of life, but then Jesus who gave the bread to us saying, this is my body given for you. Can you see that connection? I love what J.R. Packer uh, says and wrote about it. He said, when we come together, it's not my communion I come to take, but our communion in which I come to share. Now, maybe I can connect that again with that initial point of like, you know, the, 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 the mystical uh, approach to it, the becoming the body and, and, and the blood of Jesus. You know, that's like just me and these things. You know, there's this transaction, this thing going on over here. But actually communion is far less of a personal thing. You could do it that way, but it's a communal thing. It's, a, it's something we do together. It's profound. Because uh, our last point here is that of examination. 
that actually when we come together, we, we think about this moment, we think about our, how we are in relation to one another. So breaking bread and taking communion together, there's a point to that. It's like we think about, am I, am I in right relationship with, with someone else? Is there, is there a sin? Is there, is there unforgiveness? Is there bitterness? Have I sinned against or, or did someone sin against me? Uh, the examination, the last point here, which we you know, got in verse 27 and verse 28, uh, is the final thing I want to talk about. And, and because of the unity aspect, the communion aspect, it's beautiful. I heard uh, one of the Ortland uh, people, Ray Ortland or Dane Ortland, I can't remember, talk about the difference between knowing you're forgiven and feeling you're forgiven. You know, you can, you can ask the Lord for forgiveness. That's why we we have a, a confession moment earlier in our singing time uh, because we understand we, we want to get ourselves, in a sense, prepare our hearts to, to eat this meal in a worthy manner. And so you can know you're forgiven. You know, you can understand the gospel, God's incredible grace and mercy to you. And you can go, Lord, I'm really sorry I sinned. And, you know, you can go, OK, I know I'm forgiven. But then you come into a community, especially if your sin was not just against the Lord, but against others. And they forgive you. And all of a sudden it goes from knowing you're forgiven to feeling forgiven. There's something profound about being in a community that you know you stepped on their toes. I, I'm so grateful for a friend of mine in City Gates. A few weeks ago we took communion and I made this clear. I said, before we take, let's examine ourselves. If there's any bitterness or unforgiveness, uh, don't take communion. First be reconciled to your brother and your sister. And you know, um, this person got a hold of me afterwards and, and said, listen, I, I, I felt uncomfortable. This, this, this encounter that we had came up and so graciously just showed me my faults, showed me my wrongs. And I was able to, to repent. I was able to say, you're right. I did say it that way. I, you're right. I, I did behave in such a way and I broke your heart and I sinned against you. Would you forgive me? Um, I, I'm so grateful for that. The communion moment forced us to be reconciled because if we hadn't done that we would have just carried on and you know eventually it would be a distant memory but there's this little scar there's this little something that is there so examination uh, is is important and doing it in community is important because what we know about God's mercy and, and grace becomes felt becomes experienced in a community as we extend love and forgiveness towards another one another because we've received the given body and the shed blood that purchased our forgiveness, we can extend forgiveness to our, our brothers and sisters. It's a powerful meal, this, this uh, communion moment. And so, um, yeah, when we, when we examine ourselves, um, you know, we, we think about Christ's selfless act. And, and, uh, and that's why Paul's saying to the selfish Corinthians, you're doing it all wrong. Jesus was selfless in giving his life for you. You be selfless in sharing the meals. You know, don't eat, overindulge, wait for others, share it. Make sure that, that you, you express your unity. You know, so that's one of the ways that we um, examine. If there's sin against uh, uh, another person, there's disunity because we've sinned against them or they sinned against us. We, we look at those things. And I love what Paul's saying. He says, it's an unworthy manner. Uh, not an unworthy person. He said, don't take communion in an unworthy manner because in reality, we're all unworthy people. That's the whole point of communion is that we come as sinners forgiven. We, we're all, he's not saying you have to be perfect before you can take communion. He's just saying you have to be pliable. You have to be penitent. So, you know, communion isn't a prize for perfect people. Communion is provision for penitent people, people that are 
quick to repent, quick to say they're sorry, uh, to admit that they, that they you know, are walking in this world and their feet, in a sense, get dirty. Yes, Jesus washed their whole bodies clean, but every now and then we get gunk on our feet, you know, and he's able to forgive us when we admit because of what he's done on the cross, because of what these emblems represent. That's all I'm going to say on this subject. You know, um, we are going to move into a quick moment of commission. Corey will pick it up. I think he's got some stuff to say about your Thanksgiving meals too. But at the end of it, I'm going to leave it up to whoever's facilitating the watch party. And I'm going to encourage you to take communion in a worthy manner. I want you to think about your unity as a community. I want you to think and you know, examine yourself. Is there, is there something that you need to say out loud to someone else? Ask them for forgiveness. Uh, I want you to think about remembering. I want you to think about what God has done for you. I want you to do it with thanksgiving. Not just that, meh, sure, I'll take communion, but God, I'm so grateful for what you have done for me in the gospel. Uh, and I may have you know, left one or two things out, but um, proclaim, yeah. Maybe you're with us today and, uh, and you are a guest, you're not a Christian. Uh, you know, ask someone about some of the things that I have said. I know I spoke at 120 kilometers an hour and I'm really sorry about that, but I trust that, that someone could explain the gospel you know, more adequately uh, if need be as well, because this, this is what this moment is all about. So I trust that that would be a special, significant communion moment Enjoy your Thanksgiving with your family and uh, we'll catch you again next week. God bless.